Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. My very special guest tonight uh, is Nicole Acosta. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm super excited that, you, uh, that you're that you here and I can't wait to hear your story some more. Super excited to be here. Uh, great. So, uh, Nicole, let, tell us a little bit about yourself and... Uh, and kind of, I know you, you mentioned to me via email that uh, you were diagnosed your freshman year of college. Uh, and I know, you know, for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of T1Ds, college can be a, a tough time. I can't imagine how difficult it was getting diagnosed there. But uh, go ahead and why don't you get started and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I, like you said, was diagnosed uh, that freshman year. And I actually thought that I had the flu. I was feeling really, uh, just really sick, and all my friends were telling me to drink orange juice. So I drank jugs and jugs of orange juice, <laughs> and that sent me to the hospital. I had been home for the weekend for a doctor's appointment anyway, but when I got there, the doctor smelled my breath, and it smelled like acetone, um, like nail polish remover. So he was like, i got to get you in a taxi and get you too hospital right now because I think you have diabetes and that is how I got diagnosed and uh, I think my blood sugar was around 500 or so um, and I had to stay there for like three days to get my sugars down um, I think I, while I was processing all of that I was thinking food got me here so I'm not gonna eat so for that first month I wasn't really eating. I was kind of pushing food away and it's like not knowing what to do with myself. <clears throat> and um, like about 13 years later, I'm doing much better dealing with my diabetes. Yeah, and I think, you know, there, there's a couple things I want to touch on just from your from your story. Number one, food, food is a tough thing, I think, uh, in general. Um, and you know, food education and, and people's relationship with food, when it's centered around a diagnosis like T1D, it can be even more difficult. Um, yeah. How do you how do you feel your education was? You know, you, you mentioned you stayed in the hospital. Did did you do you feel the rhetoric from your doctors? You know, was was positive. Do you remember anything about you know what they were telling you and about you know the rest of your life and how you were going to adjust? Um, and you know, how did that play into sort of your, you know, immediate reaction and relationship with food? Um, I remember there was a nurse that was teaching me how to inject myself by using an orange. She would, you know, fill it up with water and, uh, keep having me inject this 
orange. <laughs> and and I kind of angrily kept stabbing this orange. Like, I can't believe I have to do this the rest of my life because I was actually afraid of needles for a very long time. So to hear that I got to do this for the rest of my life was was hard. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's funny that it was orange. You know, there's so many orange juices already popped up like twice yeah. in this interview. <laughs> and uh, right before we jumped on the phone, uh, I had to drink some orange juice uh, to perk my blood sugar up a little bit. I was uh, dipping below 70 a little bit. So <laughs> that, it's just there's a lot of orange juice in the – it must be in the air right now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. Like everybody has – different methods and every hospital has different methods of, of education and teaching, uh, you know, around T1D in particular. So I think like when, when, do you remember what, it, you know, what your outlook was, you know, when they told you you were diagnosed, like, you know, that's a tough, you know, 19, 20 years old, that's a tough age anyway. You're sort of like feeling your way out into who you are as a person. Um, what was your, you know, immediate, you know, prognosis or outlook or, you know, do you remember what that was like for you? I think I just wanted to give up food altogether. I, I had been a like a pretty big foodie before this happened. And um, like I said, I was just like, this put me here. That orange put me here. And I want to keep stabbing it because that's why I'm here. So I, I didn't know how to deal past that. Right. And, you know, I think that obviously like that presents, you know, so many challenges right off the bat. How did you, um, you know, how did you kind of move through that or work through it? Or were there anybody, was there anyone in particular who kind of helped you through it or, uh, you know, you, you had in your life that kind of guided you through that process or was that sort of just a, you know, did you have to navigate those waters yourself? I think. I really had to do it myself. It wasn't like anyone in my family had type 1. I had an uncle that had type 2, but I, I didn't really have anyone to, to guide me that much. I was sent to a nutritionist, but I didn't feel like they were really pointing me in the right direction. I had to learn everything myself. And then I, I remember being on this honeymoon period, so I still had a little bit of insulin running through me, I guess. And when I finally was figuring things out, um, that honeymoon period was over. So I felt like I had to learn all over again. Yeah. Oh, oh. So yeah. frustrating. I, uh, I had, a, I, I like, I don't remember exactly the day, but I remember like the period where my, I was like, Oh, my honeymoon period's over. <laughs> like, yeah, because there's, you still get a little bit of like regulation too. Um, and you know, I felt right off the bat of, you know, managing my diabetes, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then I was like, oh, wait, like it was maybe a year and a half in and I was just having a lot of trouble adjusting to, you know, my lifestyle. I was just like, what is going on here? Oh, oh, okay. I don't make insulin anymore. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so from there, you know, as after, after your kind of honeymoon period, like when did, when did things start to turn in the right direction for you? Or I guess in a in I mean, a better direction for you. I think I've always been a pretty positive person, so you know, I couldn't live the rest of my life thinking 
I'm going to be in a bad situation forever and I'm never going to get better and I can't fix this and you know, I can't control this. I was like, I have to find a way through and keep doing what I'm doing. Like I'm on stage all the time doing spoken word poetry and you know, I couldn't let this stop me. And, you know, that that's a great, um, I think a great comparison, right? Like, because when you're on, when you're on stage and, you know, the lights are on you and everyone's watching you, um, you know, you've, you gotta, the show must go on. Like you gotta go on and, and, and perform. Yeah, exactly. And this is very similar with T1D, right? Like you sort of have to put, whether you're burnt out or whether you're struggling or whether you're, you know, doing great, you gotta put one foot in front of the other and just kind of keep trudging through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about your spoken word poetry. Um, I have a, and, and I also want to hear about, um, you know, a little bit more of, the, of your social media stuff in terms of like sugar freedom. Um, but you know, when I was I was reading, uh, actually, you posted something today, uh, and you were talking a little bit about your spoken word poetry. When did uh, was that something that came after diabetes, or were you uh, always interested in it? I have been on stage since I was eleven years old. Um, an English teacher just pushed me on stage one day to read this very short poem, and I loved it ever since. Uh, I did slam poetry, which is competitive a little bit, uh, a lot of it, really, um, for a little while, and um, done mostly like the tri-state area. I, I would say the biggest performance I've ever done is the New York Historical Society, Um and I had been empowering kids for years, so I couldn't be the one who wasn't empowered. Right. And is that was that more of a like almost kind of fake it till you make it type of reaction, or you know you and you just kept kept pushing, and then eventually it clicked. Yeah, I think so. I had to really keep a food diary and see what what was impacting what, you know. Yeah, and when did so you know we talked about your relationship with food all, right right from the get go and and how it was it was a little bit rocky and, and and difficult to navigate. When did you know getting through the the poetry and getting through kind of back to you back to your the things that you do in, in your center? When did it become um, you know your relationship with food get to a better place? Uh, when I started writing about it, I think it really got into my poems, <laughs> talking about my health. Because okay, writing was the only way I knew how to deal with a lot of things. Um, so that's what worked for me. And so, you know, as part of that process, right, you're, you know, you're, you know, bearing your heart, right? You're writing down mm -hmm. your, your thoughts and feelings and... Was that, you know, was sort of a cathartic feeling for you and, and you know, pour, being able to pour your passion and emotion into the writing, you know, allowed you to move forward with, you know, your, your actual life and your actual relationship with it? Yeah, I think at first I didn't really want to tell people that I had diabetes. Um, so it was good that I had insulin pens because, you know, I'd be at poetry events and people would think I'm just taking a pen out, not insulin. Um. So I could hide it that way and then I got more open about it because 
I realized, you know, I'm not the only one who has this. And there's a lot of myths and, and wrong ideas about diabetes. And people need to be more aware. Yeah, and, you know, the community aspect is a huge part of it. Um, you know, anytime you're talking about, you know, hiding it. Because it's so easy to just go day-to-day life and manage your your diabetes and not really worry about, you know, others or the community. I was that way. Um, and, you know, I even had a pump and I could hide it pretty well most of the time. And it makes it really easy. Even if you're like having a high blood sugar or you're, you know, at a dinner or something, you just reach in your pocket and people just think you're on your phone, you know? So yeah. um, it's just a, you know, when you make that decision though, to get involved and kind of open yourself up, um, you know, there's this sort of amazing world back there. What did you, what did you find once you started to open yourself up? Um, I found that people were more supportive than I thought they would be. And I kept saying that I'm going to keep sharing these stories with you so that hopefully you'll never have to share it with me. Yeah. And you know, uh, what, what types of stories, you know, when you started to share your, your own, what were the ones that you remember? Um, you know, maybe the first one, what was the first really personal one that you shared? Um, oh, I had a bad hospital experience when I've only fainted twice when I've been on stage after just not eating the right things. I think I just ate a bagel in the morning and that's all I ate for the day. So by performance time, I couldn't, and you know, just fainted. Um, and that turned itself into a poem of just being angry at the way that hospital uh, didn't take care of me because uh, it started off with me being in the ambulance and they couldn't put the IV in my arm correctly. So, you know, my blood was actually spewing everywhere because they were doing it wrong. Um, just that, that whole night was, was crazy and I never wanted to put myself in that position again. I wanted to be in control, you know? Well, and I think, too, you know, allowing yourself to be angry um, is healthy, right? Um, It's okay to be, you know, to really feel that way. Those emotions are, um, you can't, it's easy to bottle those up, right? Um, And you can, you know, want to deal with it later. But when you really tap into it and say, you know, I'm angry and I want to express myself through that, um, that sort of has a cleansing effect, doesn't it? Absolutely. And then you realize, you know, am I angry because my sugars are high or my sugars high because I'm angry? (laughs) Right. You get that, (laughs) you you get in that weird diabetes feedback loop where you're not sure if one is impacting the other or not. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, do you have, uh, I want to hear some of your poetry. I don't know. Do you have any of it nearby or, uh, would you, would you mind, you know, reciting, reciting some, uh, you know, for the show? Yeah, sure. I mean, do you want that angry piece as well? Yeah, I think I think so. Like, give us. Uh, I, w- I want to know which ones had you know a big impact on you. Give so if it was the angry one, uh, let's hear it. I'm just listening uh, to it. This is a self-published book I did like in 2013. This is my poetry.
This is just after I fainted that one time on stage. Okay. It's called Alternative Medicine. There's no urgency in the emergency ward. Brooklyn Hospital must have no awards. There's no urgency in the emergency ward. Brooklyn Hospital must have no awards. Call it a medical practice. Use human beings for practice. Are all the doctors stuck in traffic? Play pin the tail on the donkey. I got a permanent pain in my just make me your voodoo doll. I never felt more stuck in a place full of incompetent witch doctors. Witch doctor knows what's going on here. Attention, all patients, be patient, be it paper cut or decapitated. We all get not treated equal. Patience is a virtue, but you could die in a waiting room. Numb nurses don't give a damn about saving you. I'm not confident this hospital could stitch up any wound. I ain't staying the night. I won't play the fool. Now we're going to take you for a CT scan. Oh, really? I hope you remembered to plug it in because this whole night's been nothing but incompetence. Stick me with IVs wrong. My blood is spewing everywhere. Stick me six more times for blood work got me questioning. Are you sure you work here? No doubt in my mind I had to get out of there. I injected my insulin to get back to normal. No questions asked. She tried to stick me with an IV to push my sugars even lower. If I hadn't been awake to stop her, I wouldn't have been awake. Stop heart. The angels and ancestors and family at Coda Cafe saved me with holistic care. Showed me that my heart is here. Blood type poetry. Soul set on a sunset brighter day and a better me. I live to inspire the best of we. Never take your health for granted. And thank them for my family tree. Pour it all out for the ancestors who answered me. Eight hours later, test results read... High on life and poetry, I believe in this art because it was a room full of poets, not doctors, who saved me. Wow, that's beautiful and, and powerful. Wow, that, um, that's incredible. There's a lot. There is a lot of anger in that, but it felt. It, it, but it also felt. Uh, it's kind of like the puff your chest out kind of anger, right? Yeah. Just gotta get it out and get so, out of there. <laughs> sort of not take those circumstances uh, you know, that are given to you and really push back. It's beautiful. Thank you for doing that. I, uh, you know, I, did, I was hesitant to ask at first, but uh, I'm glad I did. That was uh, that was a, an awesome performance. So thank you for doing that. Thank um, you. Yeah, I mean, I I had a shorter one or later, maybe just yeah, let's dedicated to all diabetics. But let's hear it. To, to love a diabetic means sticking with her when she sticks her fingers, squeezes blood out, checks her sugar. To love a diabetic means never asking, can I get your numbers, and judging. To love a diabetic means being her sugar freedom when she loses the willpower to step away from the cupcakes. To love a diabetic means embracing the faded constellations of insulin injections across her stomach. To love a diabetic means never telling her she can't eat this and can't eat that. To love a diabetic is to understand she will get moodier than most people. You would be too if you spent the entire day on a roller coaster. To love a diabetic is to be her best friend when she feels like food is her worst enemy. To love a diabetic means letting her share this disease with you so you'll never have to share it with her. 
love a diabetic means dropping your fear of needles and giving her a shot full of normal again. To love a diabetic is to remind her that Starbucks only has her money in mind or else they never would have emptied the Frappuccino. Remind her that her life is not a guessing game. She has to carefully count her carbs and not be lazy because her life depends on it. To love a diabetic is to love myself because this disease cannot be controlled by anyone else. If you can commit to loving a diabetic and see her for all she is, maybe, just maybe, I'll love you back. Oh, that was great. Thanks. That, that, that was a little bit more happy, a little bit happier than the yeah, first yeah. one. Oh, that was lovely. That was so beautiful. Thank you. So, and you, and you talked about sugar freedom in that last one as well. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about what that is and what it means to you and kind of where it came from. Um, I actually don't like sugar-free products. I think a lot of them have a weird aftertaste. Yeah, they're gross. <laughs> yeah, pretty gross. Um, but I think of it more like I want to be able to control my sugars so that I'm free to do whatever I love. And I try to find that every day. Well, and I think too, like sugar freedom is something that I think gets gets lumped into, you know, a lot of different things. Like I, I'm pretty closely involved with the Whole30 community because I, you know, have a couple pieces of content done with them. I did a podcast about, you know, and that's removing all the sugar from your diet and, you know, declaring freedom from sugar is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So people talk a lot about that. But I think, you know, the freedom aspect from, you know, being super tied to a number on, on a meter about your blood sugar or a CGM. Um, and, but, you know, and then also, you know, like we talked about the sugar-free products are gross. They're, they're terrible. (laughs) They're like, Mm -hmm. you know, and we can pretend that they're not, but we're not really being honest with ourselves. Right. And, um, it's sort of just putting a bandaid. It's not really fixing the problem. Um, so for you, you know, you know, finding and declaring your sugar freedom almost had nothing to do with food or even really diabetes, right? It was it was much more than that, yeah. Yeah, it was about really just being able to do what I love and not feeling sick all the time, not feeling tired all the time, just feeling free. Not that I could eat a whole bunch of ice cream or candy or free to do that, but to free to live my life like I used to, um, but in control, you know? Well, and I think, you know, that's real freedom, right? Yeah. Being able to make those, be be in that moment and make the decisions that you want to make. And yeah, you know, sometimes I would love to just go to a chocolate fountain and fill up a bowl full of chocolate and eat a bunch of strawberries out (laughs) of it and not give myself insulin, right? Like, that sounds great. But, you know, it's, that's just a, that's not sustainable, right? That's just a, you know, a fleeting kind of fantasy situation. Um, right. And, you know, maybe one day, uh, after we get some, you know, beta cells put in my pancreas or whatever, uh, maybe I will do that. But until then, you know, it's just, uh, you know, selective times where, you know, you can purposefully say, okay, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to do this because I, I want to, and I have the freedom to, because I'm not a slave to something like diabetes. Exactly. And then I I was also thinking, uh, 
a clothing line possibly starting. It, it kind of fizzled out, but I was always wearing dresses and not being free to inject myself. I have to, you know, run to the bathroom and, and do that because there's no pocket there. So I was kind of working um, with my cousin who graduated art school and she's doing a bit of fashion now and trying to, you know, figure out pockets or, or slits on dresses so that I was free to, you know, inject myself without a problem. Right. And, and, you know, that's really all that T1Ds want, right? We, we just want to feel free and to do everything that everybody else does and, you know, to feel convenient. I have these like Lululemon leggings. They're like the workout tights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have a pocket, mm-hmm. they have like a weird pocket on the side uh, that my mm-hmm. pump can go in. And so like I can, you know, go to the gym and I don't have to worry about my pump just being in my pocket. It's like the best thing. I was like, yeah, like this should be on more stuff. This is fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, just feeling normal. Like that that sometimes is is more freeing than anything else. Just feeling like you belong and that you don't have to, you know, do things differently than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole, I, I asked this question on on all my interviews, but um, I think I think your answer actually, you know, I'm really excited to hear what it might be. Um, especially because you, you know, you have a certain way with words, obviously. So, um, the context is important. Like if you, if you find yourself in an airport and, uh, they're going to close the door to your gate, uh, and for whatever reason, you can't miss the flight. Like you've got to be on that plane. Whatever's waiting for you on the other end, uh, is important. And, but you run into someone who, has either been recently diagnosed or is struggling with their their type 1 diabetes, what's the one thing that you would say to them like in that 30 seconds before they shut the door to your gate? What do you tell that person? I'm going to stick to sugar freedom because, I mean, I didn't think I would ever find it. I was this person who uh, thought I could never eat again, you know? Um, so I would tell them that, that you're going to find this sugar freedom, that, that you are going to be able to control, um, this diabetes. That's because I didn't think I ever would, you know, I thought I was going to be spiraling up and down and, uh, yeah, never just get it, but it has clicked for me, um, on this vegan diet and a vegan diet might not work for everyone, but. Uh, I tried it for 30 days, and it's helped my blood sugars be better because um, just because I'm more conscious of what's in things now. Yeah. Um, but you will figure it out. Uh, what but, works best for you? I, I love that story because I think too, like you know, you you were in a place where you felt like it, you never would find it. Um, yeah. And now you have. Uh, what you know in in that same kind of thought in that same frame of mind what are you most hopeful for um kind of going forward with your sugar freedom like with your with your daily life um empowering others and myself um i was actually working at webmd for the last eight years and now i work at umo health where we empower kids to uh you know, be able to own their health, whatever their condition might be. And that has 
had a tremendous impact on me as well. Um, you know, I got to empower kids with poetry forever, and now I get to do this as a day job, and it's pretty awesome. When, when you're feeling good, I think you're more empowered to take control of your health. So when, you, when you're able to do what you love, like you doing this podcast or, or me working there, um, I can be in control of what I'm doing. Yeah, that's so, uh, that's so true. Uh, it's so interesting and like it, it's, it goes against kind of regular, you know, the, the conformity culture, right? Uh, yeah. So many people don't do what they love. So many people are unhealthy. So many mm-hmm. people um, don't know how to change it and or don't want to, you know, and, it, you know, it's just it's interesting to say, you know, when you when you do what you love, you you feel better, you do better, you, you, you know, you are better because mm-hmm. you're doing you're following you're true to yourself and you're able to, you know, and helping people as a part of that as well is, is super it's just a great outlook to have. Absolutely. Uh, Nicole, thank you so much for, for reaching out and, and making this interview happen. Um, it, it's you, you are a very deep, very surprising person, I think. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, continuing to, you know, I'm glad we met and I'm, and I hope that, uh, you know, you and I can continue to be in touch within the community and, um, I, you know, have no doubt that you're going to be on some sort of, I'm going to see you on some uh, diabetes site, you know, doing some slam poetry somewhere because you are <laughs> a true artist in, in every sense of the word. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think we'll definitely cross paths again and you know, uh, collaborate in some sort of way. I would love to. Um, for those for those of our listeners who want to get connected with you uh, on social media or online, what's the best way to do that? Um, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Nicole Acosta. Um, you can reach out at, at Jimmo Health or Jimmo Connect. Um, great resources there. Uh, yeah, pretty easy to find. Great. Well, we will definitely include links uh, in the show notes to all your platforms. And again, thank you so much for making the time. And uh, we will for sure be collaborating on something in the future. I just I can feel that for sure. Yay!